Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, guys, here we go on this beautiful day. We are rolling along. Be careful out there. The word on the re- streets is that it's uh, foggy, so drive safely. And, and icy. We're going to be okay. Is Some it places. icy? Some places. Minnesota's going to have the fifth. Minneapolis is going to have the fifth largest snowstorm in, in Minneapolis history. Oh, really? That's, oh, wow. And let me just tell you. That's big. Cause... Having been in Minneapolis one time after a snowstorm, <laughs> they get snowstorms. Yes. They right. get snow. It's not like Texas where the biggest snowstorm is like two inches up Te- near Did Houston. you say Texas? Texas. Yeah, but you ain't you ain't been to Angel Fire. I had, what? Is Angel Fire in Texas? What's Angel Fire? It's the ski resort that my buddy owned. Oh, I've never been to. That's an so interesting a name yeah. for a ski resort. In I, Texas. Now you're questioning if that's the name. Yeah, Angel Fire. Angel Fire. Huh. And why is it called that? Well, they had a song called, and they call <laughs> it Angel Fire. Fire, fire, ski the fire, ski it all day long. <laughs> that's Angel something. Fire Ski Re- yeah. Resort is in New Mexico. New right? Mexico. Yeah, New Mexico. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry not a place, another place you would not think there would be a ski resort. Well, that's Certainly that's not. the surprise about Angel Fire. Texas 70 ski resorts? I don't know. Uh, let me see. Yeah, see if Texas has a ski resort. Well, I mean, there are parts of no, I mean, Texas yeah, that get snow. There's sure. two, two parts, 10 acres each that get snow. Are you, I don't think so. Are, do, you, do you like to ski? I love to ski. Do you? Uh, I just yeah. don't get to do it much. There's uh, No, there are no ski resorts. Not that I see. Well. I typed in ski resorts, and it just came up with a bunch of spa and hotel resorts, and those are not the same thing. Okay. Well, we need to go down and make one. Well, there's a business opportunity for you. Yeah, that's going to fall flat on its face. That's the... Yeah. (laughs) Have you seen these simulated ski slopes that basically... I, I don't know how to describe them. They're like plastic rubberized wheels, and you get up on your skis, and... You're up on a steep slope, and they they just keep rolling these wheels underneath you. At I've, super I've high never speed. been skiing. I've never been skiing either. Well, I mean that's that's a simulated kind of anyway. Huh? That's something. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said, "Allie beat me. I rode my bike at Angel Fish." I don't know. I think they must have thought that Allie went to Angel Fire. Allie has not gone to Angel Fire. Yeah, I I don't know what's going on here. Okay. All right. What do you want to do? Well, we're going to be talking about (laughs) humility. Excuse me a second while I cough. (laughs) That was funny, Jonathan. So what what do you want to do? So we're going to be talking about humility today. And we've got a really cool article that we're not going to give to yet. But we are going to use it. And we're going to have some fun coming right out of the shoot this hour. You guys ready? Let's do it. How do you know you need revival? Come on. Mm. We, have a, we have an article here that has 50, 60, 70 ways. That you know that you need revival. I love these. It's, it is good. How do you know you need revival? Come on. Text in right now all your answers. There are myriad answers to this. How do you know you need revival? Let me prime the pump. I'm going to give you one. When you get home, you're frustrated. Dog's in the way. You kick the dog. Mm. 
You, huh. need, you need revival. I didn't see that one on the list. No, I just thought I'd throw that mustard oh, in there. okay. Yeah. What are the different ways that we know we need revival in our life? And we're not teasing on this one. This is serious biz. I'm, I'm joking there, obviously. But this is serious biz. How do you know you need revival? This is a good one to think about. It's a great one to think about. Because some of the answers that we have here are dynamite. Nancy DeMoss-Walgamuth came up with a whole list of these. We're going to get these to you in a second, but we're not going to give them to you until you prime the pump. And I mean big time, guys. So how do you know you need revival? And this is you personally. Yeah. Not your church. Not your husband. Not the church, big C. Yeah. You. Me. How do I know that I need revival? What conditions are present that would lead me to believe, boy, do I need a revival? Yeah. 312-274-9624. Here we go, boom crew. Come on. Let's go. Line them up. Text in. We'll now shout out your number. We'll just get no numbers today, okay? Okay. None. We'll keep it totally on the down low. 312-274-9624. Never said that number before in my life. <laughs> it's like coffee, but for your ears. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. We're asking a question. How do you know you need revival? This is an important question to ask. Why is this a good question? Well, because revival comes when life has left you think about when 911 doesn't get called when somebody's having an amazing day. It's a good word. Yeah, that's right on. I think it's also good to talk about because revival is not really something we can see on our own. I think it's something that's revealed to us by the Spirit. There are warning signs for it, but I think that if we're committing the warning signs, it's kind of hard for us to see those things on our own. Yeah, I think so you're right. talking about it kind of gives space for the Holy Spirit to make us known of it. Uh, so we're not going to read out the numbers here, but we're just going to fly through some of these here. Somebody um, sent in, when I have no heart for the lost, hmm. boy, we need revival, yeah. don't yeah, we? Absolutely. And if, if any of these are you guys, we need to be praying today. Revive me, oh God. Breathe your spirit in me. Uh, somebody said, I, I, this one I disagree with. The second one I'm seeing here I don't agree with. Hmm. Interesting. Hang on, I'll give it to you. Keep them coming, and and I don't don't get bumped. We're not going to read out numbers here. I don't agree with this because I think what they sent in is actually evidence that they are revived. Hang on with the team after the show. Just follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Curl and Crew Mornings. All right, I'm going to get to this one submitted here that I do not think it's evidence that we need revival. I think it's evidence that we are revived. Let's go through some of the others. Why do we need revival? How do we know it? Well, I'm going to just read these out with no numbers. When you've had enough of everything and it irritates you, I need revival when my heart feels cold and I'm critical towards everything, when my wife and I are battling about small things. Another one, I know I need revival when I'm trying to keep too many plates spinning. I know I need revival when passion for lo- and love for Christ is secondary to other things. I know I need revival when I have a negative spirit, I'm anxious, and I feel like I'm isolating from other people. That's a good one. How about this one? I need revival when I'm in sin. I need revival when everyday life activities frustrate me, when my thought life is not holy. Good stuff. Here's the one that I – you might have something to say about this one. I know I need revival when I feel convicted by just about any and everything, and I can really see my own sin. My friend, I want to encourage you. You are revived. 
So that, that feeling is, bad that, about or feeling convicted. When you feel clear. convicted, and I'm talking now, let's be careful here. Conviction, be, be careful. That John 16, 9, good. Conviction is great by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 1, condemnation, not good. Conviction leads us to alignment with God. Condemnation buries us under a heap of shame. Two totally different things. But if you're feeling convicted about things, when anything that you are doing that's missing the mark you feel convicted about, you are revived. I, I can say this coming out of the Asbury University revival, that I am... My sensitivity to sin has not been stronger in law. I'm not going to put time. I've lived so long, I cannot put time frames on things. Sure. But I'll say this. My sensitive, sensitivity to sin and awareness of me missing the mark with God has dramatically increased mm. as a result of going down there to Asbury, for sure. And I think really the reverse is true, that the absence of any sense of conviction and when you know you're doing wrong and you are not in any way bothered by it is really an indication when you need revival. Okay, so let me ask you this one. Do you think that there is a problem if you go a week, if you go a full week and you have no conviction, really deep conviction of sin that you need to repent of? Hang on. We'll get that answer from Allie coming up here because she's – she, this is her jam right here. <laughs> okay. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You know what? God's bringing dead things to life constantly. That's what he's in the business of doing. We're committed to helping you take your next step with Jesus here. And one of the ways that this is going to happen is revival. Because guess what? Revival is God's work. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to work in you and me. And oh my goodness. I got so much to share this morning. I had a conversation with the young follower of Jesus in Washington, D.C. last night that was unbelievable. I had the privilege of leading this girl to Christ, and she is trucking with the Lord. Uh, coming up here in a little bit, I'm going to explain one thing I said to her because it's so easy to get derailed on this one thing, one thing. It's just huge. It's so easy to get sucked in. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But, um, just wondering, guys, we've got a question for you. How do you know you need revival? We're taking your text messages right now. How do you know you need revival? And I'd asked Allie a question here. I wanted her to cogitate on it. Um, if, if you go a week without conviction of sin, do you think you need revival? I mean, I hesitate to give a hard, fast answer. Or we're, go, we're going theoretical, and I'm not going to, you know, Put this down and I mean, a week, put it on your like tombstone. Five days versus seven days. I mean, I think generally speaking, conviction happens pretty frequently to varying degrees. I think a an extended period where there's no conviction. I don't want to say it's a no, problem. It, well, here, let, let me help. Let, let me jump in with you because I think here's the reality. As we mature, I can say this for sure. I was... I saw saw a blurb the other yeah a couple of days ago I guess it was. Um, I'm old and wise because God spared me from being young and stupid, and I thought 
You know, that there's some truth in that. So when when Jesus got a hold of my life and saved me, boy, did he have a bigger work to do. Um, the sanctification work was almost as big as the regenerative work. Sanctification, big fancy word for growing up in Jesus. So I will tell you this. I think if you walk with the Spirit, I think over time, with the exception of seasons where you get into a sinful funk, but over time, your trajectory should look like a bull market where you're going up and there's going to be, let me be this practical. I still have a lot of work to do as a husband growing up mm-hmm. to be a good husband. And that will never end. I will always have things that I've got to repent of before the Lord and, and get realigned with the Lord on. But I am way better than I used to be. So how would you answer your own I question? would answer my... <laughs> It's hard, but I would say this. I would say, I'm not going to use me for an example. The spiritual giants that I've been around are sweetly sensitive to being out of alignment with the Lord, and the conviction doesn't come in crushing waves of, whoa, you're way off base here, and you got to come home. It's little bumps and nudges on an ongoing basis. But on an ongoing basis. I, I think that's where I land too, that it's. Not necessarily this, whoa, this major thing in my life that's, yeah. maybe it is, but I think it's the ongoing, ah, I don't know if that's how you wanted to respond there. Yeah, I mean, we find Peter getting rebuked. We find Paul rebuking himself. We find the groanings of gr- spiritual greats that, that blew it. We find Hezekiah, a great king, and at the end of the life, just stepped in a big old pile. So... This is why the question is so important, because if you can answer the question, how do I know I need revival when you really need it most? It'll be there for you. Yeah. And we got a great question here. So let's keep it going, Allie. How do you know when you need revival? You personally, 312-274-9624. Scott, let's get you in here from Lake Zurich. You got a comment, my man? Yeah, man. I was the one that uh, sent the text in. Um about uh, being convicted and what you and Allie were just talking about of that constant reminder. Uh, You smoked me this morning, man, Um, with your reassurance that I am revived. Um, Because I've been questioning that a lot lately, if I've even been, you know, questioning my salvation lately, because I'm like, I'm so aware of how far off the mark I am so often and you know I, I i am like constantly you know aware of your sin and, and asking aware and asking for forgiveness of my sin and here's what i'd say scott yeah. i'm gonna if you don't mind i'm gonna coach you up on air here for a second i'm gonna i'm just gonna it's you and me scott scott and pastor carl here we go what you never done this in front of few other friends, but let me give it to you straight because Scott, kind of what you're up against, what you're up against, Scott, a lot of people are up against. Okay. So let me just tell you the, from my heart, and I want you to just listen to me for a second. I think you're incredibly revived. I really do. I believe God is breathing winds of revival into your heart right now. Now, when the spiritual winds of revival blow, We need to take heed. It's written over and over in Scripture. 
We need to take heed. So what's that look like? It's the awareness that we need to, in this case, gone just kicking your booty, right, Scott? You go back to it over and over again. Is that the deal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now, brother. I think you are really revived in the Holy Spirit right now. I do. I do. Because, listen, I know I know guys that claim to have been born again and are ganja smokers, and they feel no conviction at all about it, even though it's altering their ability to be filled with the Spirit. And, you know, all that is, taking a hit is all that's doing is trying to fill the void with a, an external toxin that is filling a place that the Holy Spirit wants to fill. Right, Scott? You know that in your right. heart. So yes. here's, here's yeah. the deal, though. I, I want to applaud you because it's good news, Scott. The Holy Spirit's going, Scott, the ganja's got to go, right? The, the ganja's yeah. got to go. You feel that conviction. By the way, first off, number one, that's proof positive you're born again. You don't lose your salvation. No. And, and, and even the most radical Arminius believe that you'd have to shake a fist at God and say, I'm done with you. Well, you're not saying that. You're brokenhearted, uh, Scott, right? Yeah. You're, you're brokenhearted. Yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. Totally. Here's what I want you to do, Scott. I want you, when you hang up from here, I want, you to, I want you to go call a couple of friends. And here's what needs to happen in your life. You need some ceremonies at three levels. You got to confess this to a couple of friends who are, who are trustworthy and spiritual warriors. I found out when I was, when I did this alley, when I was at, in the early 80s, I remember going to a couple of my cocaine snorting buddies saying, man, I, I've got to back off of this stuff. And you know what I found? They weren't much help. <laughs> they weren't much yeah. help. So, Scott, go find a couple of guys. And I mean rock solid brothers. Go find a pastor or someone. Yeah. And then I want you to get on your knees before the Lord, number one, and go, God, you are reviving me. I feel it. And I need victory here. And then I want you to do two other things. By the way, I want you to stay on the horn. I'm going to send you a copy of my book here in a second. But I want you to I want you to get up off your knees after you've confessed that. And then I want you to strategize how are we going to put this thing to death. You got to kill what's killing you. Because the last thing you want to do is deny the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and shut down God. Because right. God, God's going to knock at this door. But if you keep, because he, here's the reality of the new birth miracle. He's given you all the strength you need. You just got to go tap it. So confess, kill what's killing you. You got to get dramatic. How am I going to gouge my eye out so I don't sin? That's what Jesus said. So you got to go, how in the heck am I going to make this happen? And I'm going to tell you straight up, Scott. I don't care if you've got to move locations to get away from those two or three guys where you go get your stuff. Or the problem yeah. now is you can go down to a store on the corner and get it. But brainstorm ways to put it to death and then and do that with some buddies. Make a ceremony out of it. Put a stake in the heart of this thing called ganja. And then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Spend extended time in the spirit, soaking up the word of God, speaking it back to God and go. You got to go all out spiritual warfare on this thing. But Scott, here's the bottom line. I am proud of you and I'm pumped that God is convicting you. 
Because it tells me two things. Number one, you're clearly born again because lost guys don't get convicted about ganja. And number two, the Spirit of God is at work in your life because he's not letting you up for air. It's like you're getting spiritually waterboarded by the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. I, I love you, Scott. Your heart for the Lord is really sweet, man. And you know what? I would, I would wish, I would wish, um, what Philip texted in here. Uh, we should desire to be convicted every day. Right on, Philip. Yeah. And uh, let me pray. Well, it's been happening. <laughs> it's been happening. That's awesome. Let me pray for yeah. you, bro. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for Scott calling in this morning, and I just pray in Jesus' name right now, right now. I'm just going to listen to the Lord here a little bit and all across Chicago land. I want us to pray believing that our brother's going to get set free from this stuff. God, I thank you for Scott, and I thank you for his tears. I thank you for conviction, but Lord, we don't want to settle for conviction. We want to We want to see sanctification. I thank you that you are blowing winds of revival into his heart. And now, God, as he confesses to some trusted folks, and as he puts to death and attacks the sin that is killing him, and he overwhelms this sin by the infilling of your Holy Spirit, give him victory. God, these battles can seem so big, But you are mighty, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Scott, stay on the horn here, man. I'm going to get a book. uh, I'm going to get, you know what? I'm going to get a Carl and Crew prize pack out. I think it's easier to ship the whole enchilada, and we'll throw a book in there. I love you, Scott. I love you, man. Call in again sometime. Love you, man. I mean, you know, I had another way you know you revived. You're willing to call up and go on air and go, all right, here's the deal. You know? Who's willing to do that these days? Awesome. It's really powerful. Don't miss out on all the fun. Keep up with Carl and Crew mornings on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget, that's Carl with a K. Here's what I know to be true, and I want you to hear me, because God has delivered me from, I can speak to this, because there's some things that chemically get a hold on your system Mm -hmm. that's worse than glazed donuts and coffee. No, no, and those have, by the way, addictive properties. Sure, those two things, and we got to be careful on all this stuff, guys. Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody called me in and said, "Help me, I'm hooked on maple glazed donuts." Yeah, I because mean, I, it can get you. Food, food addiction is real, and and chemical addiction of any kind. And there's so much going on with our physical bodies. But here's the encouraging word: Listen to me, and I need you to hear me. If you are convicted about Anything in your life that's got a hold, the reviving work of the Spirit is at work. I guess what constitutes a revival is where two or more or a larger gathering is getting together all aware and willing to say it together that we need Jesus. Yeah. Because that's all I saw at Asbury. Just a bunch of people falling on their faces before the Lord going, we need Jesus. It was more than just thunderous singing. It's an attitude of the heart that says, I need Jesus. Yeah. So it's just a cool thing. Uh, I promise to get there, and I'm going to do it right now. I had mentioned, I can't believe I'm remembering what I'm promising today. Can can I give the resource? 
Oh, yeah. Let's give the resource. Yeah. Okay. So we've been talking about this. Why do we need, when do we need revival? Great resource put together by our friend Nancy DeMoss-Walgamuth, where she lists out, oh, man, maybe 50 different ones. You read through this. And it's a good kind of self-examination tool. So if you want to check this out, text the word ALIVE to 312-274-9624. Text ALIVE to 312-274-9624. Yeah, and her list is when we need revival. So some of it's kind of collective, some of it's individual. But this is a good list. I mean, this is exhaustive. It really is. Yeah, I mean, this is get this list. This is good. This might be a great little Devo tool to hold on to for about a week or two or three, you know, mm-hmm. just to go over it. Um, get it right now. The keyword is alive, right, now. Yes, alive. 312-274-9624. Okay, I'm going to get back on track here. We got a lot going on. Coming up in two minutes. So, you know, revival and sanctification is really all about the movement of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed then when when people say that there is an outpouring? What are they talking about an outpouring of? They're talking about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's an outpouring of the pneuma, the wind. And living in that is so important. Let me hit something really quickly. I was on the phone last night with someone, that uh, young lady that I had the privilege of leading to Christ um, uh, several years ago. And I just, I just, I told my bride, I said, babe, I just feel like I, I need to give her a call. She goes, my bride says, well, if the spirit's prompting you better do it. I love that's, my bride for that's that. Good. That's, that's good. That's a good word. Stuff. I mean, it's like, well, sh- let's think about it. No, she's like, if the spirit's telling you to do it, let's do it. Go ahead I'm and do so it. glad I did. So I call her up and I say, how are you doing with the Lord? She says, if, if I'm going to be honest, Carl, me and my husband the last year have, have battled We've been so busy. She says, we haven't done anything crazy, but we've been so busy. And I said, listen, I get it. I know. Because, right? Yeah. Busyness can oh, be. Yeah. yeah it's silent one, killer. Oh, my goodness. It can just kill us. And then in the course of conversation, she's talking about a lot of stuff. One is that she says, ironically, you called today. This is so cool. We're going to a community group tonight meeting at the church that we've reconnected with. And. Yeah, that's tonight. And here you call this afternoon. Wow. In fact, I called about an hour before they were going to go. Isn't that wild how that works? So I just was able to affirm her like crazy. And I said, listen, um, we we began to talk about some things. And um, she said, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm really good. I'm not not doing well when it comes to like witnessing to my friends. And I went, and I hit the brakes. And I said, let me just tell you something. I want you to be freed from living by shoulds, ought tos, obligations. Oh, so I gave her a few truths and I want to give them to you right now. Listen to me, guys. It is the Holy Spirit that saves souls. You are messengers that bring good news. You are not bound by the law to share your, to share Jesus Christ with people. You are guided by love and the power of the Spirit to share the gospel with people. And so I was able to tell her, here's what I want you to do. I said, spare yourself 20 years of agony that I went through, of feeling this horrible condemnation. I'm not a good enough Christian. Yeah, that's a big one. And I said, 
That is nonsense out of the pit of hell. Here's what we're called to do. It's in Galatians 3. It's in Galatians 5. It's in John 15. We are called to have proximity with spirit, with, with to proximity to Jesus Christ, communion with the Father, and to be filled with the Spirit. Out of that, the Spirit of God will prompt us, guide us, direct us, and even open our mouths when we're in front of kings and governors and we don't know what to say. The Spirit will give us utterances. We have lived backwards. We're like, oh, I got to go witness. I got to do this. I got No, you don't. Yeah. This is God's work. And you might say, well, that doesn't, does that mean I do nothing? No. Go get filled by the Spirit, and then as the Spirit gives you unction, run like crazy. Run with the wind at your back. And you know what? It set this girl so free. And here's what it does. It's counterintuitive. You might say, oh, doesn't that let people off the hook from witnessing? No, it actually spurs them on to be filled with the Spirit, and actually more great positive spiritual work gets done. And aware of where the Holy Spirit's leading. Yeah. And as opposed to us trying to go out there and meet a quota or for something. Yeah. I mean, who in this room has not felt this horrible condemnation of, man, I'm a lousy Christian? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, by the way, will the Spirit convict us? Here's what I told her. I said, listen, the Spirit will, will, you'll be in a conversation. This way it's going to go. Spirit will say, here's an open door. Take it. And when you hear there's an open door, take it, just take the door and then it's okay. And I said, the last thing I said, I need to tell you is I've been in pretty robust conversations with atheists before, never won a day with one of those guys, but I've been in robust monologues where I'm sharing my story with atheists that wins the day every day Mm. because they can't deny your story. I said, young lady, get rocking with Jesus so strong, like God's calling you. And the overflow of that is going to reach more people than you could ever imagine. That's a good word. We got to live there, guys. Otherwise, it's just death. All right, let's stick with, um, we got a question and a resource because this resource is so good. It's flying out the door here. So when do you need revival? How do you know you need revival? Think about your own life. What circumstances exist where you go, yeah, Something's got to change. I need a revival. Tell us by text message. Just gathering your your thoughts this morning. 312-274-9624. And coming up, we've got a resource as well. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Now, this is this is awesome because I got to tell you the word of God or truth in general, when you hold it up against your life, what it becomes, according to the prophets, becomes a plumb bob. Okay? Mm-hmm. A plumb bob finds what is level. Okay. And what the Word of God does is that. You look at things like, when do we need revival written by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth? And what it does is it like brings this plumb bob or a level up against your life, and it's going, whoa, um, whoa. Oh, wow. One of those is me. Two of those is me. Let me read a couple of these to you. Uh, We would rather scroll social media and binge watch shows and movies than read the Bible and pray. And you read something like that and immediately you want to think, that's so legalistic. Why? 
But when you think, what is what does my heart desire? Yeah. Because your desires often point to where you're at. How about this? We have little or no desire for prayer. We'd rather make money than give money. Our Christianity is joyless. <laughs> We'd rather make that on the list. Yep. Our Christianity is joyless and passionless. We make little effort to witness to the lost. We have time for sports, recreation, and entertainment, but not for Bible study and prayer. Oh, boy. Now, but we got to be careful with these because they can turn into legalisms in a heartbeat. Absolutely. That's why you have to read this carefully because this isn't a checklist. Like, oh, I've got that. I've got that. I've got that. I'm good. No, as a matter of fact, if, you, if you're saying I've got that and it's a little bit of – I just did. I just breathed on my knuckles and rubbed my chest. I don't know if you guys know that signal, but that used to be "I'm cool" back in the day. Oh yeah, you've never seen that before. No, I've done that. I've done it. (laughs) I only have seen it. (laughs) I've done it, but no, you don't want to have that. But in in anything can be turned into a legalism, man. John Calvin's right. Our hearts are like idol factories. We can turn the best things into idols, but. This this serves really good purpose of helping us see, man, where am I really at? Do I need revival? If you want this resource, just text the word ALIVE to 312-274-9624. Text the word ALIVE to 312-274-9624. Talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Jonathan, you got to give me some, uh, some sort of celebration type music for this because I got to make a little announcement. There we go. Oh, yeah. That's going back in time. <laughs> this is our go-to. Yeah, it is our go-to. <laughs> what better celebration if you, music? If you listen here any time at all, you know this is our default. This is our go-to. So what am I announcing? Well, we've told you about pre-share that we're doing this fun thing of calling all pump primers. If you want to prime the pump, give your gift before share actually starts. We're going to give Why you... Why do we do share? We do share because we're a listener-supported station, Carl. Uh, just check it. <laughs> Checking my knowledge there. Yeah, we, we're a listener-supported station, so t- uh, twice a year our normal programming pauses for a minute. We have this big party where we invite you in to partner with us. This year we're still going to do that, but if you want to give your gift ahead of time and help pi- prime the pump, we've got a gift for you, Carl's book, Seven Resolutions. But here's the big announcement. First time I'm announcing this. It's going to be a signed copy. We had to wait to get clearance and the okay to make sure that logistically you could get to sign all of the copies, a couple thousand of them. But yes, indeed, it will not just be a copy of the book. It will be a signed copy of The Seven Resolutions by Carl Clausen. So if you want to be a pump primer, you are going to give anyway, or maybe you've been thinking about giving and this is just the nudge that you need. Text the word PRIME to 312-274-9624. Really want to get this book into your hands. And thank you in advance for your support of Moody Radio. Just our way of saying thank you. Text the word PRIME to 312-274-9624. Yeah, gift of any amount, too, guys, which is really cool. That's a pretty awesome thing. And uh, I'm fired up. I hope I get cramps in hope my you, hand. hope your hand gets tired yeah, no, I really, signing all those books. And, but they're really stretching because it was at the loading dock and ready for processing. And they're pulling them back. They're bringing them all back oh, here to Chapman great. Center oh, to let me sign these things. So, Oh, if you want to get one of those, it's going to be our gift to you for a gift of any amount. Pre-share only once share officially starts. This offer expires. So you want to get in on it. When you click that link, make sure you click the box that says, yes, I want a copy of the book. Text the word PRIME to 312-274-9624. 
Oh, crank it up. Come on, let's party in here. I, you can't get out of this song. Let's all celebrate and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Takes me back to every family wedding I've attended in the last 30 years of my life. This song was played. Love it. All right, guys, Carl and Crew Mornings, helping you take your next step with Jesus. Got a lot going on here today. By the way, coming up, Susie Larson, Allie had a chance to sit down with her. We're, we're really talking this whole week about breakthrough from time to time. We're talking between revival and lots of culture watch stuff. and then, But one of the things that's going to provide the biggest breakthrough in our life, without a doubt, is humility. I... Again, I, yesterday I was interviewed on this TV station out of Pittsburgh, and I don't, when you do all these interviews, sometimes you don't forget where these guys are at. Really cool team of people, and they ask one simple question. What's, what's the thing that sets you apart from living in self-led life and mm-hmm. self-striving, self-help into God's power? It's one thing. I mean, you can't do a thing until you are humbled under God's mighty hand. It's true. It's where it all begins. Susie Larson in her conversation with Allie coming up, guys. This is Ann Wilson, my Jesus. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsor Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Humility. Humility is a willful yieldedness of our heart. To God, not striving, not proving, just saying, God, I'm okay in you. I'm secure in you. Better than that, I'm more than conqueror through you. And it's willing to let him shepherd our heart, move us along, to have our back, to defend us in all things. And humility is really that power move we make to be not just saved by God, but also shepherded by God. I'm going to give you cliff notes on my dog, Target. I, I love telling this story. And I only, the first time I ever told this was in October at a church in Naperville, Grace Point. And I was actually begging God the night before the event. I said, Father, I need a story that from life that just illustrates Titus 2, 11 and 12, that God's grace both saves us and trains us. And But here's the secret sauce in this. Humility is foundational to all this. Are we humble when we're born again? Do we start out humble, do yeah. you mean? When we're, when we're born again. I Ble- think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in that moment, absolutely. Yeah, in that moment. Without humility, you're not even fit for the kingdom of heaven. No, yeah. pride per, no prideful person has ever said, I don't, you know— Okay, I'll pray the prayer. No, that's 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 not the real deal. But when we're saved by the power and the grace of God, it's out of that brokenness and humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. And Target is a dog. I, but the day I talked my dad and mom into getting a dog team was a wonderful day. They never knew it would grow to 50 dogs in a kennel or else they wouldn't have said yes. But they said, okay, you can have, you can start getting a dog team. And I went down to the dog pound. That's what we called it back in the day. Now it's like the Humane Society or something like that. And I walked down death row. Death row was where all these dogs are held and they're 
you know, they got a week or two weeks to get adopted out and then they're gone. Little ear warning here. I'm trying to be a little bit veiled. Um, all these dogs, I mean, there's some that are just jumping at the, I mean, they're, they're lunging at the grate not to get adopted, but to get a bite out of me. I mean, there's some aggressive dogs. <laughs> sure, yeah. There's others that are timid. There was one little girl, man, rack of bones. And I said, I want this girl. She had a great build, but she was so malnourished. What kind of dog was it? Was husky. It a husky. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I pulled her out of there and I named her Target. I do not know why I named her Target. I have no clue. I was young, okay? But I named her Target. And Great savings? I, I don't know. Okay. Target didn't even exist then, <laughs> all right? Hot dog. <laughs> so I named her Target and uh, I saved her off death row. Target so exceeded her physical ability. And by the time I came to the starting line of the Iditarod, I didn't think she'd make the final cut. But that girl listened to everything I told her for two years of training for that Iditarod. By the time we got to the starting line, she was actually aging out because by the time I got her, she was a few years old. And a dog's prime for the Iditarod is between three and six years old. Okay. And she was in the upper reaches. I think she was already seven. And But for two years, guys, I saw a dog put weight on. Almost look at me and talk with me like, uh, I'm going to give it a good go today, Dad. <laughs> and I'd put that harness on her and I'd put her in the team. And uh, on some 50-mile runs, she'd be struggling on some downhills or some flats where the other younger dogs are fast. But you could almost see her look to the dog beside her like, I'm, I'm going to keep up with you. I'm going to oh, keep wow. up with you. And she made it to the starting line of the Iditarod. And then I, oh, goodness sakes. Ugh. I needed her so bad because going from going from a rainy pass over a mountain pass down into the Roan Roadhouse, it was a long, steep haul, and she gave me everything she had. That harness was buried into her hair, just buried into her hair because she was pulling, pulling so hard. Mm. And... I was so proud of her. We came down into the village of Nikolai and from Nikolai to McGrath, we're a few hundred miles into the Iditarod Trail sled dog racing. We're on some flat and it's cold. It's about 20 below zero and dogs run really well at that. And she was struggling to keep up. But she kept tightening that line, tightening that line. And I got into McGrath and I just, my dad told me later, he said, he, she was your first dog. You loved her so much you dropped her before you absolutely had to probably, right, Carl? And I said, yeah, but I couldn't take it. You and didn't – you couldn't take – I couldn't take the fact that she was struggling a okay. little bit on the, yeah. on, the, on the wide open stretches. And I sat down beside her. I actually plopped down, sat down beside her, and she's licking my face. And I said, girl, I love you so much. You've gotten me through one of the toughest stretches of this race, but your race is done. And I unclipped her, and I gave her a big old hug, and I gave her to the race manager, and I said, I'm going to let this girl go home. I'm going to let her go home. Her race was over. You know, after the race was over, 21 days, 8 hours, 12 minutes, 32 seconds, I got in a jet plane a couple days later, flew back to Anchorage, got to my kennel, and there's Target just lunging at me, just like, Dad's back. Dad's back. And all I can tell you is 
Target was one of the most humble Huskies I ever had. And that humility allowed her to actually exceed her natural capacity. God wants to do that with you. He wants you to stay humble and come under his leadership and tutelage, his shepherding, his guiding, his training. He wants to pour his power into you. He wants to teach you. And I don't know when your race will be done, but we want to run right to the time when God says, you did good. You did good. And humility is the secret sauce, man. It's amazing what you can learn from a Husky named Target. (laughs) Wow. But I want this for you guys. And coming up here in two minutes, we've got a real treat. One of the best communicators going. Allie had a chance to sit down with Susie Larson, and she just peels paint when she talks. Yeah, she talks a little bit about her background and her challenges. She's gone through a lot, and the Lord has allowed her to walk strong and humble. Yeah. Hang on. Buckle up and get a swig of water. (laughs) Water, of course. (laughs) Hang on. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, we can be a fearful people. When we're kids, we're afraid of the dark, afraid of what's under the bed, afraid of what's around the corner. And our fears get a little bit more complicated as we get older. Uh, Susie Larson, our guest right now, we are ultimately one of our greatest fears, the fear of suffering. That you, That's what you contend in one of your recent books is... You found that to be true personally, and you've seen that to be true in others, correct? Absolutely. You know, really, if the enemy can keep you bracing for impact, you'll be living with your elbows locked, and then you miss out on the best of what God has for you. Mm. So when it comes to this sort of fear of suffering, some of it's rooted in the pain that we've experienced in the past. We we don't we don't want to go back through that. And some of it's rooted in the the kind of a fear of losing the joy of the present in those good, mm-hmm. the good moments where life seems really great and our families are healthy and finances are okay and bills are paid and we don't want that peace disturbed. Well, exactly. But I think what the reason we were so unsettled in the present, so even if you're in a season of rest or favor and blessing, the reason that still nags at you is because there are messages from your previous suffering that are lingering in your soul unresolved. You've not taken those to the Lord and discerned, you know, what God, what's your takeaway? Is God still good? And so if there are still open-ended questions about the goodness of God specifically, those things are easy access for the enemy to get, take your past fears and to say, you know, if God allowed that, how much worse is he going to allow in the future? And as I said in the book, he'll try to get you to project your fears, a worst case fear, into a future that God is not in. Mm-hmm. Really, that's what he's trying to do, going, if he allowed that, imagine how much worse it'll get. And then suddenly before you know it, you're imagining a much worse, your worst fears come true in the absence of God. But, you know, anybody who's walked with God any amount of time can look back on suffering and say, I wouldn't want to go through it again. But I wouldn't trade it. A lot of times, you know, God was with me in it. And I, I, he leveraged it for me in a way, for my good and for his glory. So we have to resolve some of those things. Otherwise, they're left open-ended and it gives the enemy way too much access to the narrative that he's feeding us today. Yeah. Susie Larson, our guest right now, national speaker, best-selling author. She hosts a daily talk show called Susie Larson Live, which you hear on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, Susie, give a little bit of your story for those who are not familiar 
the Lord has used suffering and pain um, mercifully, but as time it's mm. felt so brutally merciless, yeah. I'm sure. It has. No, that's the honest truth. And it's like anybody who's read any of my stuff knows I'm I'm pretty brutally honest about it. There's no facade with me because I am who I am and I'm wrestling through this with everybody else. So, uh, but, you know, just a short context and I pray this doesn't feel like whiplash, but just so you know where I'm coming from. I was raised in a, a large family in a denomination. I had a sense of God's presence, but I didn't know Jesus was accessible. I had no gospel presented to me, but I literally did as a child. I knew God was real and I felt his presence. But as a nine-year-old, uh, encountered some trauma, sexual trauma at the hands of teenage boys. As a 10-year-old walking home from school, I was jumped and beaten by a different group of teenage boys. Mm. And I'm this little four-foot thing crying, screaming. And I remember when I got up from that beating, I heard in my ear, and I'm not saying it's audible, but it might as well have been, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. So that's really when I knew the devil was real too. So I knew God was real. I knew the devil was real. Later on, I came to Christ, but as many Christians, I was you know, young adult, uh, in my teens, I came to Christ, but I knew I was saved, but I didn't know I was loved. And I think a lot of believers are that way, where you know, well into their later adult years, they're living by the doctrine of the Bible, but they don't know that God enjoys them, that God loves them, that he sings over them, that he's good and that he's got good intentions towards them. So what we do then is we start to strive in our gifting to try to dig ourselves out of a hole or to try to prove something God's already proven. And that sort of happened with me in my young adult years as a young mom and wife. And long story short, I had some high-risk pregnancies, a traumatic birth with one of my sons. And then during one of the pregnancies, contracted Lyme disease. And that was um, 33 years ago. And, and to this day, I do battle some daily symptoms. And it's been a long, winding, very painful road, but a lot of grace in there and a lot of breakthrough. Uh, boy, have I learned a lot about God. But I'll just say, Ali, I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me in any way, because I shudder to think of who I would be if not uh, for the things I've endured, you know, um, and I don't believe for a minute God made me sick, but I know he used it and I learned so much about him. And I had enough trauma in my past that if he would have zapped me and given me an instant miraculous healing, which by the way, I believe he still does in this mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Uh, but if he would have done that for me, I would have still had an infrastructure of trauma. But I, I had so much, you know, insecurity and fear baked in uh, already. So when the sickness came, it just reinforced those messages. So by my contending with the promises of God and following him on his terms, not mine, that's how he disentangled me from all of that mess. And so even though I still got some daily symptoms, I'm a walking miracle. I'm healthier and stronger than I've ever been. And I know something about God and about his word and even about my enemy that I wouldn't have known otherwise. Wow. Susie Larson, our guest this morning coming up. Let's talk about a breakthrough in humility. What is the link? The book is called Strong in Battle, Why the Humble Will Prevail. What's the link between battling, your battle against fear, your battle against overcoming pain from your past? How does humility relate to all of this? More yeah. with Susie Larson coming up. Everything you need to start your day right. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. When you think about what you need to face whatever you're up against today, a culture will tell you all that you need is within you. You just have to be strong. The strength you'll draw strength from. And who knows? I've seen so many different variations of this, Susie, this sort of uh, be strong. You are enough. You have what you need. But the reality is we don't. Why is weakness something to be embraced? 
Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus himself would not make a move without the Father. So we would do well to to follow his lead in all of this. And, you know, when you think of, of humility preceding a breakthrough, humility is harnessed strength. Humility truly is harnessed strength where you know who you are. You know who God is. You just don't need the rest of the world to know. You don't need to exert yourself or insert yourself in a way to prove that you're something. You know you're so well tucked under the wing of God, that you're in the heart of God, that you have the promises of God and are empowered by the Spirit of God, that you don't have to be right all the time, first in line, get the credit all the time. To me, that's the opposite, Allie, of bracing for impact And that is what our fears do to us. That's what our battles do to us. Suddenly, we are living with elbows locked. We are building cases. We're looking for someone to blame. We're validating and vilifying because we're trying to strike our own defense. And all those things, I think, make a bigger mess of things. Mm -hmm. But when you come before the Most High God and you realize, uh, boy, I don't have a leg to stand on apart from the grace of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the victory of Jesus, and you humble yourself before the Most High God, really, it's the fear of God. That's the beginning of wisdom. And humility is what precedes honor. And in the book, I do look at in a chapter on discernment on how some of these, you know, heroes of the faith, God used them in breakthrough that at first was preceded by humility, where they Ooh. in their humility. Give me an example. OK, I've got a few for you here. Abraham, he discerned that in order to lay hold of the promises of God, he needed to surrender control in every area of his life. And follow God into the unknown. Somebody's listening today and you want to, again, strike your own defense, have plan A, B, and C. But if you humble yourself, if you truly are feeling led by God, then go all in and trust him and surrender and discern that in order to lay hold of the thing God has, you might have to let go of the thing you're white knuckling right now. Abraham also discerned that God's promises were absolutely true. And he dared to surrender his dream, which was his son to the Lord and, and, and trusted that God would fulfill every purpose and promise in his life. Here's Joseph. He discerned that what his brothers meant for evil, God turned for good. Do you know the kind of humility it must have taken for Joseph to continue to process his wounds in a Christ-like way so that when the day finally came and he faced off with his brothers, he was in a position to say, you know, don't beat yourselves up. I mean, they were under so much conviction. Yeah. He's like, what you meant for evil, God turned for good. And mm-hmm. the reason that God could use him the way he did is because he had a humble heart. Then you got Ruth. She discerned that God was the one true God. She left everything she knew to follow a God she could not see. Do you know how much humility that took? Because she went with Naomi, her mother-in-law, as an outsider, Moabite. Do you think there weren't some gossipy women, you know, back in Bethlehem? And she arrives as an outsider. She knows what she's going to be facing, but she followed a God she could not see and trusted her whole future and reputation to him. And he uh, grafted her into the lineage of Christ by her, you know, marrying Boaz and having a baby. Then there's David. He humbly discerned that God's that Goliath's intimidation had both national and spiritual consequences, and he trusted God to deliver him. Now, here's a perfect example. Goliath was spewing very personal insults at David, but David refused to be singled out. And this is super important because the enemy will poke at those unhealed areas in you, poke at those insecure places because he's had your whole life to study you. And he wants you to be isolated and, again, try to strike your own defense. But what did David say when Goliath spewed those insults? He says, when you come against me, you're defying the very armies of the living God. When you come against me, you come against all of us. You don't get to do that. So in his humility, he had confidence. And I think that's why it's so important that we understand the meaning of true humility. It truly is harness strength. 
where you move into a place where you're so convinced of God's power, his love and his goodness and your place in the kingdom and at the table of grace that you really can take your stand. Uh, Here's another one. David discerned that even though Saul was trying to kill him, God had promised David the role of the king and it wasn't his for the taking. If you remember in the cave, he cut off the edge of Saul's robe, but he came under the conviction. And the only way that could happen is because he had humility. He came under conviction of the Holy Spirit and he repented, even though the man was trying to kill him. So in the face of a worse offense, he still owned his own offense. If you want, I can give you a few more, but there are plenty. I, I love that. Let's close with this question. Humility precedes breakthrough. So what does that look like? What are the daily steps of humility uh, that you take, that I can take, that the person listening needs to be taking? Well, in the morning I come into, I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I literally take that literally where I sit with the Lord. I'll maybe put on a worship playlist and I just start thanking him for the things today that I would miss tomorrow if they went away. Because that when you attach the gifts and blessings in your life to a God who knows you well and, and loves you deeply, suddenly you remember you're tethered to a good God. So just thanksgiving. And it's not just counting your blessings, pointing them out. It's literally seeing a gift tag to Allie from God to Ali from your father, where you see he's given you good gifts and you thank him. And then you worship him because he merely spoke and the heavens came to be. And then you bring your petitions before him in humility, knowing he is sovereign. He's good. He has no rival. And as you humble yourself, you realize, and nobody can come against me, not even my enemy and prevail. God's purposes will prevail in my life. And I just think it puts you right where you're thinking wrong. Susie Larson, our guest this morning. You can go to SusieLarson.com. Susie is S-U-S-I-E, Larson, L-A-R-S-O-N, SusieLarson.com. The book, Strong in Battle, Why the Humble Will Prevail. Susie, always such a pleasure. Wish we had a full hour with you. Mm. I just love you guys so much. Keep up the great work. Thank you. You as well. Hey, Boom Crew. This is Matt Forte. Huddle up because we're taking our next step with Jesus here on Call and Crew in the Morning. You know what I've been watching recently that I'm really enjoying? What's that? I'm scared to ask. The Creed movies, which are following the the Rocky movies. And I'm like, okay, now I have to go back and watch all of the Rocky movies (laughs) because I I just love a good sports story, man. Yes. The the best Rocky Balboa impersonator who calls in in the next three minutes. (laughs) Is going to get a Carlin Crew prize pack. Are you serious right now? Yeah, I'm dead serious. The best Rocky Balboa impersonator that calls in in the next three minutes gets a Carlin Crew prize pack. Man or woman? Oh, wow. Okay. Can you you get us started? No. No, you can't. No, I can't do him. Okay. Um, I can't can't do it. There you go. If you want to call in and impersonate Rocky and you're uh, decent at it or you're just willing to give it a try. You're willing to try it. it. You're willing to give it a try. We're pretty generous with prize packs around here. So uh, (laughs) let me let you off the hook. The bar is not real high here. But if you want to give it a go, 312-274-9624. Come on. Come on. I dare you. I dare you. 312-274-9624. 312-274-9624. Don't even screen the calls. Just you bring just them take on. them in? All right. Just bring them in. All right, I'm taking them uh, in. Joe in Chicago, no cursing, but give us your best Rocky Balboa impersonation. Hey, Mick, call me Mick. <laughs> call me Mick. You know, I hang, like it. hang on the line. You're getting a pack. All right, Joe and gets then, a pack. And then uh, bring in Becca. Just All right. bring her in here. Lisa, if you can hear me, just bring in Becca. Just let her come on in. All right. Oh, okay. Well, and and then and then David, and that's it. 
Okay. I'm not taking any more because right. now they're coming in. Becca, give us your best uh, Rocky Balboa impersonation. Go. Yo, Adrian. <laughs> that's really good. She got the inflection and everything. Oh, boy. Becca, that's good. That's really good. Give us your normal voice, Becca. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm oh, good. my wow. word. You changed oh, it a lot. Oh, my word. Now, now you got to give us the yo, Adrian, one more time. Go ahead. Yo, Adrian. <laughs> so impressive, Becca. Incredible. The Incredible. hidden talent Becca, you got there. Don't do that in the middle of the night. Your husband will think <laughs> something happened horrible. All right. Going- de- way to go. Hang on the line. You're getting Carlin Group prize back. As Allie said, I am very generous around here. Joe, yes, you hang on the line, too. David in Lockport, give us your best Rocky Balboa. Yo, how you doing over there? Everybody doing Okay. <laughs> 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 we're three for three. We'll stop while we're I got to stop. I got to stop. I can't. I can't. Oh, I'm going to do one more. Angela, because I got to hear another woman do this. Angela from <laughs> Naperville. Go, sister. Yo, this is great. That's Yo, great. Now, now, one more time. It was a little low. We want to have full volume. Go ahead, Angela. Yo, okay, now give us your real oh, voice, boy. Angela. Just say good morning to us in the normal voice. Good morning. Wow. <laughs> it is so bizarre. I am, I am truly shocked. It is so bizarre. Oh, you forced down the line. You're getting a Carlin Coop prize uh, back. Thank you all for participating. Oh, for crying out loud. Wow. Hey, you all did a good Rocky impression. It's me, Rocky. I can't do it. No, That's you're all way good. better than I am. It's, it's, it's hard good, to do it, but yeah. I'll tell you, I, extra... Extra mustard on the prize packs yes. of Beck and Angela. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that is I hilarious. Send you a pair of boxing gloves. Oh, my goodness. The craziest carpool in Chicagoland. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You want to spoof on Carl here? Of course This I is do. one of my... I love self-deprecating humor. And boy, did I step in it. Do you have that hot key loaded? I always have it loaded. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have to set it up at all? I... Uh, Carl is coming out of a song, and as the song is finishing, like Carl speaks. Like we normally do. Yeah. We say the name of the song and the artist. And uh, the singer had something left to say. All right. Go ahead and play it. Michael W. Smith. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. It's never not funny. It is never not funny. Michael okay. W. Smith. Yes, it is. And that's one that okay. will forever stay fresh okay. in my mind. Fire it one more time. Michael W. Smith. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I love that you tried to like keep rolling. Like, uh, I tried to keep yes, it rolling. It uh. is. <laughs> it was so good. It really couldn't have been more perfect. Allie never wanted to miss an opportunity. Never. Ever. Never. She just jumped on that. <laughs> that was so bad. You couldn't just let that go, it could was, you? It, it just, oh, man, it, it tickled me. Uh, if we didn't let it go or if we let it go, we wouldn't have to laugh at today. But we've had, do you have any of those sound bites of Allie just singing along to what? stuff? Come uh, on. That's we, don't we have a spot block we have to hit here? I've got no, we're okay. Allie's impression of a duck. Quack. I've got... Allie doing a little Whitney by herself. Oh, yeah. How do I know? (laughs) All of these taken out of context sound really weird. Give us give us the uh, Whitney and the duck together. All right. How do I know? Look, it's a flock of alleys. Quack, 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 
Quack. <laughs> oh, he's getting uh, artistic there. Time to move on. Coming up. <laughs> Time to move on. <laughs> coming up. Uh, by the way, get this link because you're going to need it. We're having a little game here going on. We're talking about how do we know we need revival. And we've got a link for you to a whole list of reasons how we know we need revival. Be careful when you read this list. Don't turn it into a legalistic thing like, oh, I should or ought to. It's just designed to go, oh, Lord, search me, know me, try me. If if I've got to get revived here, breathe life back into me. Come and get the link right now. Text the word ALIVE to 312-274-9624. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.